Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I don't trust that what you've told us is the truth. You didn't have to go out and get panicked about something that does not even affect you. I don't agree with that. You said to me at your house, Erica lied. I'll go head on with you all f***ing day. Don't talk to me like that. Or what? Seriously. Or what? Or nothing. I Shut don't... the f*** up. Or what? Or what? Hello, everyone. Welcome to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino. I got an extra pep in my step because this week's Real Housewives Beverly Hills was flawless, perfect, iconic, everything good in the world. Truly, they they gave it to us. And I'll be honest with you guys, the episode was titled Dinner Party from Hell Part 2. Now, the first dinner party from hell with the wonderful Alison Dubois and that long-ass cigarette saying, uh, your husband won't emotionally fulfill you, know that, lives in my mind. I think about it almost every single day. You know, I'll be at the grocery store checking out. I'll be in bed at night to close in my eyes to drift off to sleep. And then I see uh, the morally corrupt Faye Resnick going head-to-head with Alison Dubois inside of my own brain. And so this episode, when it was titled Dinner Party from Hell Part 2, I thought, I don't know if we can live up to part one. It's really audacious. And by the way, we've had so many dinner parties since the first dinner party from hell. Obviously, we had that Amsterdam dinner where, uh, you know, let's talk about the husband and and you beast. You know, that was one dinner. Then we had that one where Rena was like, were people doing coke in your bathroom, Dorit? And that's the same one where Erica Jane said, you don't know what I go through every night. You don't know what I go through every night. (laughs) So we've had all these amazing dinners, is what I'm trying to say. And so I thought, I don't know. They never labeled any of those other ones. They must think this is good. But then when our expectations are so high, uh, we uh, we want a lot from the episode. And boy, this episode still delivered, despite my expectations being sky high. The only thing I was disappointed was that it wasn't a four-hour episode, because I wanted more. And when it started, the episode started, lights up. And we see, I think we open on Dorit's house with the wedding dresses. Baba, the dresses came. Baba, Baba. She's calling Pika. Well, that was Baba, right? She said, baby or Baba. I know she's doing a lot of baby work, but also I heard a couple Bubbas. I heard some Bubbas. I thought, am I in the valley at Katie Maloney and Tom Schwartz's house? Because I heard some Bubbas. She said, Baba, I got the dresses. Baba, 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 the dresses came. Anyway, when we were on Dorit's house, I was a little concerned because I thought, this is going to be one of those episodes where we just start getting to the good stuff and then they throw it to be continued on us and cut us off when we're in the midst of everything. And yet, uh, they did do it to be continued on us, but I felt like it was very satisfying. felt like it was very satisfying. And what I would like them to do with this episode and the one coming next week is edit them together and give us like a behind-the-scenes documentary style like they did with the first dinner party from hell. I don't know if you guys ever saw that special that they aired that was like extra footage and they had the wives talking about it a couple years later. It was fantastic. Uh, but look, you guys, this week was everything to me. This one was for us. This one was for the girls. This one's for the girls. <laughs> this, 
this episode is for the girls. And by girls, I mean all of us listening here today. We're all spiritually girls. Uh, and then we also had the Real Houses in New York finale. I need some hot <laughs> Wasn't great. It ended. Uh, and uh, we'll get to that. But before I uh, start with Beverly Hills, I do have to say we have Kay Cannon who wrote and directed the new Cinderella, which is on Amazon. She's going to be on the show after the recaps. So stick around, listen to my chat with Kay. And uh, she's wonderful. And I think if you got kids, they'll love the, the Cinderella. It was, it was charming. You guys, we got to talk Beverly Hills because it was just so good. Again, we opened on Dorit's house. PK enters. I was just calling for more PK last week. Wasn't I on the show? Last week or the week before, I was saying, where's PK? I miss him. And then he came walking in a frame this week, and I thought, that's enough. That's enough. That's enough PK for me. Because uh, it was a little too much. I was getting annoyed with him when Dorit was trying on the wedding dresses that she's selling now. She said, I've done swimwear, athleisure, and now weddings. Weddings, PK Baba, doing weddings. And she's bragging about all her design work, which I do think she does good design work. I mean, I don't know how involved she is exactly, but she's doing some sort of clothing stuff. And so we got to applaud that. You know, some of our other housewives uh, on the other franchises can't get their clothing lines going. I'm specifically thinking of She Buys Sheree, September, Spring, Summer. And then do you guys remember on the Orange County Housewives when Alexis Bellino, Jesus Jugs, was doing the Alexis Couture? I will never forget that storyline, you guys. When she was with her co-designer or the person who's actually doing all the work for her line. I don't know if you guys remember this, but she cut off the sleeves in front of her with a pair of scissors. Ah, you guys, goosebumps. I think about that moment all the time. She was a real interesting human being, and sometimes I miss Alexis Bellino. Don't necessarily want her back on my TV. Uh, but I do think sometimes, where is she? What's she up to? Uh, anyway... Dorit is better than uh, some of those other housewives. She's got some stuff that I think is in stores. Is it in stores? Unclear. But she is making stuff. And PK comes in, and Dorit calls him a visionary, which I don't think he's a visionary, but he's just naming the dresses. He's like, that one's the woman, and that one's the actress. And we're acting like he's coming up with like the greatest fucking adjectives for these dresses. I was like, PK, you're just shouting out words. I don't think anything he's saying is so creative. Like, I'm not ready to give him... Uh, some awards or something for his creativity because he's really not doing uh, much. Just like, oh, that one should be called The Woman. The Woman. Okay, you're naming a dress The Woman. That's not very specific. What the fuck does that mean? The Woman. It's a dress for a woman. I mean, so is that what you're, is that where the creativity comes from? Like, where, where are you getting these names, PK? Baba, the dresses came. <laughs> That's going to be in my head forever. Anyway, PK brings up vow renewals. And immediately I thought, I thought, PK, PK, we don't do that here because it's a kiss of death. And we're worried about that over on Potomac because Karen and Ray are doing it. I don't want to worry about it here on Beverly Hills. And Dorit smartly says, no, PK, we can't do that because she knows, Dorit knows that that's not a good idea. And so I think they did nix it. Ultimately, though, I felt like it could come back to haunt us in a way. I think like maybe next season. Dorit doesn't have much going on. She might decide to do the vow renewal. And I always can see the wheels turning in Dorit's head. I feel like she knows what she's got to do to at least stay on the show. And this season, it hasn't been working great. She hasn't been giving us much. And I feel like that's why we got that uh, charade of whatever the fuck she was doing last week with Garcelle. Because I felt like she she needed something. And then this week, I could see the, the wheels turning when she was saying that PK's a sharer. And he said, you're not a sharer. PK said right to Dorit's face, like, I talk more about my stuff than you do. 
And I could see Dorit. She was like almost, she wanted to nod along like, yeah, you're right, PK. But then also in her head, she was thinking, uh-oh, is that bad for my job? Because my whole job is to share. Do you get what I'm saying? And so I saw the wheels a turn and she's thinking, uh-oh, do I need to share more? Because here her husband, and you know, she gave it to him after they stopped filming. She's like, PK, you don't say that on camera, camera. You can't tell people I don't share on a show about me sharing. You know, she was pissed at PK. I bet you they got in a big fight after. They sent Jagger to his room and they just fought like cats and dogs. Cats and dogs. Uh, Anyway, the dress line, I suppose, seems like a weird time to be launching all these businesses, doesn't it, though? Rinna's lip kit and a time when everyone's wearing masks and then now wedding dresses and no weddings were going. I was invited to like six weddings that were all postponed for the pandemic. So uh, none of it makes sense to me, but oh, well. Then we cut to Sutton's new house. It's a 6,000-square-foot house. Renovations are needed. She got a new Bentley. She said she got the new house after she got divorced. She's really living her best life. And Sutton and Kyle, Kyle comes over. They sit and talk. Kyle had a clip in her hair that said Kyle, too. Do you notice that? It felt very Dorit to me, but, you know, good for her. You know, she's labeling herself. Felt like I was watching MTV's The Challenge. You know, sometimes they have to wear shirts with their names on it. <laughs> I thought, am I on MTV? Like, where's TJ Lavin? Because Kyle's just labeling herself. She's not getting kicked off that show. She's not going to let anyone forget her name. Even when she's in scenes that aren't about her, Kyle's going to do the work and put her name on her fucking head so that we know who's on screen. We know who the top dog on this show is. And it's Kyle V. Richards. Kyle the Splits Richards. Kyle, <laughs> Kyle, the splits Richards will let us know. Will let us know. And so, look, they talk about Erica. Sutton says Erica's not as fragile as she thought. And she's also got the new confessional Sutton with the really long hair. I mean, it looks like six foot long. It, it, it honestly is like the movie Tangled on Disney. Like her hair was so fucking long. Looked great though. But she thinks that none of Erica's stuff is making any sense. And she thinks the car crash story is part of Erica and uh, uh, Tommy Tutone's defense. And uh, Sutton says, Erica made a deal with the devil, and the devil always comes a-knocking. Sutton's always got these good lines that feel like they're ready for the knitting on the pillow. But she's right, and I do think that Erica is, uh, Sutton says, Erica's acting like she's totally innocent. Acting is the key word, Sutton said in her confessional. And I uh, agree with Sutton. And uh, I'll be honest with you, the next scene... We cut to Crystal's house, and she's got the food. That food looked delicious. The dim sum. It all looked so good at Crystal's house. It was making me hungry. She was having Erica, Kath, Garcelle over for a little dinner. Now, Kathy's late because she was at home cleaning her crystals. Kath is worried about her party. She's got the tablescapes ready. Those tablescapes. You guys know I love a tablescape, too. My uh, heart and soul, I love a tablescape. You know, you open up my brain, and you just see a bunch of tablescapes, because I love a tablescape. And the fact that Kathy put so much effort into her tablescape just makes me so incredibly happy. Uh, But she was late. She said, look, I got to make sure my parties are good. She says, I have a friend who does really shitty parties with the salmon. That's always the same. And she said, shitty guests. And I want to know who's throwing those shitty parties that Kathy was talking about. It's got to be someone good. I bet you it's someone famous. I don't know who, but it's somebody we know. It's somebody we know, and I, I'd, I'd like to know which celebrity is having Kath over with the same salmon every fucking party. It's not okay. It's not okay. So they talk about the Garcelle and Dorit of it all, and Kathy and everyone agrees that Dorit does talk too much. They say she just, uh, we all said it. We've all said it. And 
Erica brings up the Sutton situation. She says Sutton is kicking her while she's down. And this is when this whole scene turned in a very mean girlish me, mean girl way. And I hate to use that word mean girl because I feel like it's can be sort of overused. I get it. But I felt like this whole table, I was getting so mad at Chris. I was even getting mad at Kath. I was getting mad at, always mad at Bamboozle Jane. And then Garcelle, I wasn't mad at because I felt like she was at least sticking up for Sutton and pointing out some of the hypocrisies about like people knowing your name and all that stuff. It's like, who the fuck cares if anyone knows your name? Uh, but that's something to me that is so very LA or Los Angeles. Cause I don't think that I'm from Ohio and I, I don't ever remember adults in Ohio speaking in a way of like, well, we don't know that person's name or, or I don't know this person's name. We should know them if they're important. And it's like, that's so fucking weird. And it's, it's very high school-y. And I thought it was just so gross. And Chris was like, I've never heard of that person. And Erica's like, she should want everyone to know who she is. And I was like, everyone needs to shut the fuck up. Like, y'all need to shut the fuck up. Like, it's so gross to me. And Garcelle, too. I was getting a little mad at Garcelle, too, because I wanted her to put them all in their places. Like, I was ready for Garcelle to say, shut the fuck up. Like, you all sound fucking ridiculous. Excuse my language, you guys. Sorry, I'm throwing out the F-bombs everywhere. F this and F that. But I was so effing mad that all of these women just sitting around talking about, oh, well, I don't know that person's name. And, and even Kathy's like, well, we don't know their name, and I don't know their name. Oh, you guys, like, all oh, shut the fuck up. I hope they watched that. Maybe they watched it and thought, like, oh, we're being gross. Like, I hope they did, because it was gross. And then, um, you know, Erica, she doesn't understand Sutton flipping out on her, or flip-flopping on her, and it's like, well, yeah, Sutton found out you're a crook, Bamboozle Jane. Like, that's why she flipped. I don't think it's, like, that out of the ordinary. <laughs> I mean, you have your ride-or-die friends. Like, you have your bestie. But your bestie, you could count your besties on one hand, I, I would hope. Right, you have the the close circle to you of three, four people maybe in your life. Aside from your family, obviously you got your family, and then you got your besties. But your coworkers on a TV show, I don't think you should expect to not flip flop on you when they're finding out in real time via the LA Times that you bamboozled orphans and widows. I'm sorry, man, call me crazy, but I don't think it should be that surprising, shocking that someone you met a year ago on the set of a show you're both cast on. Uh, is no longer wanting to be your friend when she finds out that you spent all these people's monies. I mean, come on, she spent all the monies. Erica just doesn't, does she not get that she spent all the monies? She spent all the monies. She spent all the monies. She spent all the monies. <laughs> PK, Bubba, the dresses came. I'm sorry, I don't know why I keep yelling that out. It had nothing to do with the scene. Oh, well. Uh, but Erica says, we've all had things come out about us. And I was like, okay, it's not quite the same. Like, Us Weekly printing a story that maybe Mauricio is cheating is not the same as like you spent $20 million of victims' monies. I mean, it's it's not, the, they're not equal. They're just not. They're just not. Everyone needs to understand that. And then Kath says everyone has a skeleton in their closet. What does that mean? What are, I mean, Kath did say like everybody knows their skeletons. So I hope there's no more skeletons in Kath's closet because I don't want to know anymore. I can't handle anymore on this show with these... Uh, I mean, it's tough. It's tough stuff. Then, uh, let's see. That's when Eric and Crystal both say they've never heard of Sutton, which who the fuck cares? And Garcelle even said in her confessional, she said she's never heard of Crystal. I just wanted that energy from Garcelle in the scene. And we love Garcelle, but I just wanted that in the scene. 
And then, yeah, that's when Erica says, she should be lucky people know who the fuck you are. And then Crystal agreed with it. Ugh, so gross. Next, then we cut to, I had too much coffee, I think, before this. I just shouted next like I was on MTV circa 2003 and on a bus. Remember that show, Next? Next! It was so mean. That show was so mean. I used to watch that dating show. Did you guys watch that date? They would be out in a field on a big-ass bus, and then uh, one person would be uh, doing a a blind date with three other people, and they would just quickly yell next right in their face uh, and move on to the next date. It's really wild time in TV dating. And ordinarily, I'd say reboot it, but I'm not sure that we need that. I'll never forget, though, they would come off a bus. Some of you probably have no idea what I'm talking about. But there was a show on MTV called Next, and people would come off a bus. And I'll never forget, there was one young lady who fell off the bus. She tripped coming off the bus. And she was a superstar. And honestly, I don't need the show rebooted, but I would like to see her rebooted. I would like to see her. Don't know her name or much about her. And I'm not willing to look it up, but I would like her rebooted. Okay, so then Kyle and Maurice do have their 25th wedding anniversary. And it's beautiful. You know, I love Kyle's house the most on this show. I love that house. They got like the back pool house area. And Mauricio sets up a bunch of candles and he orders some takeout. And Kyle cannot believe it. The 25th anniversary, she cannot believe she says, you lit all these candles yourself? You did all these candles yourself? And he's like, yeah, I did. And I thought, wow, the bar is so low for men. I mean, I love Mauricio too, by the way. Love him. You know, I'm very attracted to him. I like Dave. I'm very attracted to Mauricio. However, I just think Kyle was just so impressed by the candles. And, you know, he's a good man. He provides for her and and she provides for him, vice versa. Uh, But all he did was light some candles. And they showed him, even they added it back to it. It was like, I felt like Bravo was even impressed that Mauricio lit the fucking candles. I mean, I thought like, we're we're just going to give him a prize because he lit some candles in the backyard. Did he actually set up the candles? Because I don't believe that he set up those candles. I believe a PA on Beverly Hills Housewives, or maybe someone who works at the home of Kyle and Maurice Steele put the candles there. And then all he did was walk around with a lighter and light them as if, you know, and then I'm supposed to praise this man. They showed the flashback footage. Like, be so impressed. Wow, that man, that straight man lit some candles. Like, that's what I'm supposed to think while I'm watching it. I'm thinking, come on. Uh, that's all he's doing is lighting a candle. And then he, the food, he didn't even cook the food, by the way. He got takeout. Did you catch that? He said, we got takeout from, I forget, the Crab Shack, where the fuck restaurant it was. And I thought, Mauricio, you couldn't even make some food here? And I'm supposed to be so impressed that somebody set up candles and you went, went in on the wick with a lighter. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Anyway, I do love them, though. And I think he loves her a lot. I think she loves him. It's a balanced relationship. I'm obsessed with her house. And Kyle says her mom married four times and didn't trust men. And uh, she seemed, I just think they're a good couple. I really do. You know, I mentioned those cheating rumors and I never really, I don't think I bought it. I, I don't, Mauricio doesn't peg me as a cheater. Granted, he doesn't do much more than light the candles you know, outside the, outside the workforce. But I, I do love him and I do think he's a genuinely good human being. And I think Kyle's a genuinely good human being, too. I like them. I'm sorry. I know people don't like Kyle. Every week I get on here and I I talk about how much I love Kyle the Splits Richards. And I more and more, I don't think I felt this way last season of the year before, but it's coming. I don't know what's happening to me. But Kyle the Splits Richards is really doing And that new confessional with the white suit, I thought was gorgeous. I thought it was gorgeous. And Maurice says, Maurice, Mauricio says, I like Erica, so I hope she has no knowledge of all this stuff that's going on. And I want to know more of the husband's opinions. I want to know what do they think of Bamboozle Jane? 
So then we cut to everyone getting ready for this party. Dorit's with Jagger. Jagger's trying to paint Dorit like a clown. You know, he's trying to get the lipstick all over her face. And she's like, Jagger, don't do that, baby. Jagger, don't, baby, don't do Jagger. You know, he's just trying to paint her like a fucking clown. And I love Jagger. I love Jagger. I do the Jagger. And then Kyle's getting ready. She calls Kath. She wants to call Kath, see what Kath is wearing. Kath picks up the phone and then continues to ignore Kyle the rest of the time. Because Kath's got things to do. She says she's a fluffer. She's got to get ready for the party. She's got to make sure the crystals shined or whatever. whatever. She's got to make sure it all is looking good. The tablescape. God bless. And so she's not interested in talking to Kyle. I do have to laugh, though. Wait. Did you guys see on Instagram, Kathy posted this photo of Baron, her son, in the balcony of their house. And apparently he was like listening in on this dinner party. And so uh, Kathy posted the picture of Baron, who's cracking up on the balcony. And she said in the caption, this was all tonight. Uh, Baron was listening to this dinner party. And it makes me laugh so hard that Baron was listening to this dinner party where Erica is in tears. You know, Erica's saying, look at my life. Look at my life. You know, she's she's really losing it and Sutton, they're having a big argument. And it's like really heavy topics about, uh, you know, these victims and whether or not Erica knew and these very, very heavy, intense things. And then Baron's just on the balcony, like cracking up and someone's taking pictures of Baron. Uh, laughing at all this misery that's happening downstairs. Oh my God, you guys, the the juxtaposition of that just made me laugh so hard. Oh, it made me laugh. Uh, let's see. Kathy says she hates when people arrive early because she's busy uh, making sure that her perfume's not rotted, which I didn't even know that was a thing. Perfume rotting? Do you guys? Know? I mean, I'm assuming you guys knew that. Perfume rots. I mean... I suppose I knew that. Maybe just never really thought much about it. But Kath goes around to the the rooms and makes sure the perfume is fresh. Now that's rich. That's rich. She's checking the soaps. She says, I don't like when somebody arrives even five minutes early and then they show Rinna arriving. Which, that's production's fault. I do believe production, you know, they know when these people are arriving. They're the ones that uh, traffic them there. Traffic. They're the ones that haul them there. And uh, so I like that they were shady, though. It made me laugh. And when Rinna did arrive, Kath's butler, who I don't know that he was a gay man, but spiritually he was a gay man. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, and that's the highest of compliments because this man, he loved Rinna. He was like doing bits with her and he had just like an extra little pep in his step too. And I thought that man is spiritually gay. He's a homosexual um, spiritually and maybe also uh, in action as well. I like dick. You know, I don't know what that man's preferences are, uh, but I will say that I loved him, and he's a star, and I would like to see him again. He even had a mask on his face, you know, he, he was uh, putting the mask on, and I still got so much personality uh, uh, from him through the mask. And I've watched a lot of these housewives during the pandemic, you know, in Dallas, they were always wearing those masks, and you can't really get much personality uh, from behind the mask when they're wearing them, and this man was shining through it. He was shining through it, and those bits he was doing with the with uh, Rinna just uh, give them a spinoff I love too they gave Rinna the bell at the end like I don't I think it was him that gave her the bell and that's a messy gay too like that's messy of that man to give Rinna the bell because she's the loudest person in the room the last thing she needs is something that makes her louder and yet this man was like you know what I'm gonna give her the bell I'm gonna give her the bell so he uh he's wonderful 
And Kath shows up late to her parties. There was a moment in the kitchen, though, did you see when Kath, she was ignoring the guests. She was in the kitchen and she said something to someone and she said, that's the way we like it. That's the way we like it. And she did it in a Paris Hilton voice. I got chills, you guys. I got chills. It was exactly, it sounded exactly like Paris Hilton's voice, which we know Paris puts on a voice oftentimes in public. At least that's what I've read and heard. And it sounded exactly like it. Wow. Wow. Chills. Uh, Kathy looked great, too. I loved her outfit. I was mad at her earlier for her being annoying about the names, but then I fell back in love with her when she just looked gorgeous in that suit. Crystal showed up, too, with the bubbies out. I love that. She looked gorgeous. And Garcelle's look was really doing it for me, too. Uh, When Garcelle showed up, Erica said something about her looking like Josephine Baker. And then, oh, this is when they were passing the appetizers, you guys. And we didn't even get to like the juicy stuff. And this would have been enough for the episode for me because I felt like we got lots of comedy and some good stuff going on. But Kathy was trying to get one of the apps and she's like, you'll need to come around again. And the guy's like, okay, like you don't want to just grab two. And she's like, I'm not an octopus. And you guys, that was so funny. <laughs> I loved it. Meanwhile, Rena's getting drunk. She's starting the high kicks. Rena with those high kicks. She's got the bell and the high kicks. She's really a, got a look at me personality. And sometimes I love it, but it seems to be a lot this season, right? It seems to be a lot. Uh, but Dorit shows up in pigtails, and that was shocking to my eyes. And right away, before they even like sat down for the first course, Sutton says to Erica, I want to make sure you're okay. And Erica says, uh, what are you trying to do? You've made your position very clear. And that's Erica saying, like, I don't want to talk about any of my legal stuff. Like, we're just having a dinner party. I, I feel like Erica told all the other women, like, let's not talk about this, about me tonight. And then Sutton brought it up. And I feel like that's why Erica, I think, is getting so mad at Sutton. Because I think Erica wants to fly past a lot of it. And Sutton makes it impossible because Sutton's not playing by the game. Does that make any sense? I almost feel like Erica sits down and talks to Kyle and Rinna and Dorit. And with them, she can say when and where we talk about and what we talk about. But with someone like Sutton, she can't help herself. She's going to want to bring it up when she wants to bring it up. And I think that drives Erica nuts in a way because there's no control over the situation. Uh, and even though all the other women were jumping in, I still feel like they, w- they would have been happy to not talk about any of the Erica stuff. But Sutton wasn't letting it go, and I appreciate that. And I love that Kathy sat Sutton next to Erica. Oh, I loved that. So close to each other. I loved it. Uh, It's a four-course dinner, though. The first course is caviar and vodka. Caviar pie. And homemade vodka. Caviar pie! I mean, come on, can you believe? Uh, I've never had caviar, too, by the way. I'm not really that interested, to be honest with you guys. Uh, I'd rather have a Kit Kat, but... I uh, do think that it's very expensive. In fact, I know it's very expensive. And when I saw it in pie form, I do love a pie. I mean, I do love a pie. Apple pie, pumpkin pie, sweet potato pie, blueberry pie, cherry pie, raspberry pie. I'll have a pie. Mmm, pie. Did you guys watch that show? on um, What was that show on ABC uh, with the pie maker? Pushing Daisies. Uh, it was only on two seasons. It should have lasted longer. I loved that show. And it always made me want pie. And it starred Kristen Chenoweth. Just getting a flashback. If you want something to binge, it's like a really sweet, fun show for two seasons. Pushing Daisies, it's called. I'm not sure where you watch it, but you'll have to figure that out. Google it. Okay, so yeah, they serve the caviar pie with the homemade vodka. 
and Dorit starts to apologize to Garcelle, and Kathy stops her because she wants to sh- everyone to shut the fuck up. She's like, shut the fuck up. We're going to get through our dinner first. Kathy's trying to control how this is going, and that was a bad move. A bad move for her, a good move for us. Ladies, am I right? This one's for the girls. <laughs> Ladies, am I right? I am right. Because honestly, that was the shift we all needed. And I think Kathy was pissed about it, but I was so happy because immediately then, instead of dealing with the Garcelle and Dorit of it all, we got to deal with the Sutton and Erica of it all. Oh, I loved it. And Rinna is, meanwhile, telling Sutton to address things. You know, Rinna was being real messy, which I appreciated. That's the messy Rinna we want. She's like, Sutton, address the things. And then Kyle, too, was like, Sutton, you talk behind her back. Like, say it, say it. And I was getting pissed. Garcelle pointed this out. She said, Dorit has a lot to say, too. All these women had lots to say. And they're uh, pointing all of the blame on Sutton and making her say everything. Meanwhile, Patrick the butler's in the kitchen. He's like, they're fighting like cats and dogs. But you know he loved it. You know he loved it. He did. And so Sutton, the first thing she says to Erica is that she's offended on behalf of small towns. She's offended. She doesn't like small towns. She's pissed. Um, and then Dorit says, Erica, uh, Dorit says, uh, what Erica does does impact all of the other women because their names are dragged in. So finally, Dorit speaks up and Erica keeps saying, like, why, do you, why does it matter to you guys what happens? Like, this is my life that I'm having a problem with. And I think they have a right. I think Dorit said they could be deposed. It's a thing that could happen, and so I do think they're right for it. And every news article that comes out about the bamboozlement of orphans and widows, all of the women are going to be mentioned because they're on this show. And Erica says, there's going to be a day when this is behind me, and I'll remember who is against me. Trust me. Trust me. And everyone's like, okay, like, (laughs) okay, cool. Like, what a weird thing to say at this dinner. Like, don't you have more important things to worry about? And I don't think any of these women are really saying anything that bad, and Erica is just trying to point fingers at them and say, I'll remember who you are. And she's saying, all of you, all of you. I'm like, Erica, uh, I don't think they're asking anything crazy. And you could just see on their faces, like, okay, remember who we are. (laughs) And honestly, they're all thinking, Kyle, Dorit, Rena, like, they're all thinking, okay, well, you have to get along with some of us on this TV show. Otherwise, Bravo's just going to fire you. So if you want to remember who your enemies are and you think we're all enemies, then good luck filming the show with no one because it's not going to happen. Like, okay. Um, anyway, then she cries. And I, there, I was feeling bad. I, I'll be honest. I, I hate to. Uh, I was feeling a little bad for Bamboozle Jane in these moments where she was crying, although there was no runny mascara. Uh, she didn't also wipe the tear. Did you see the tear came down? She didn't even wipe it. She wanted the camera to pick that up. Oh, <laughs> Sorry, somebody had to say it. She wanted the camera to pick it up, make sure that the camera saw the tear that came down her face. However, I was feeling sorry because it seems like she's going through a lot, and I get it, and it's... I mean, I can never imagine the pressure and all of the anxiety and everything that's happening through her head and her emotions and her mind. And I wouldn't want anyone to go through that. And my biggest enemy, you know, you don't want to have to go through that kind of anxiety and pressure and everything that's going on. So I did feel bad, but I don't think that anyone here is being unreasonable. And Garcelle said in her confession, what about the victims who had nothing and now have less? Like, that's who we should all be more concerned about. And Erica says, why are you torturing me? And I just feel like I, maybe you shouldn't be on this show. If you're having trouble answering these questions, which I totally understand is, is makes sense. 
but maybe the show isn't something that you should do then at this moment when you're going through all of this. Now, the flip side of the coin is that she needs to check. Maybe she needs to work. However, if you need to work, then that's it's like the signing the deal with the devil, like Sutton said earlier in the episode. You signed the deal with the devil. She says, why are you all torturing me? Look at me, Dorit. Look at me. Come on, look at my fucking life. Why are you doing this to me? She says, I'm looking at all of you. What are you doing? And then Rena said something about loving thy neighbor. I was like, what? Sister Rena is all of a sudden preaching. <laughs> a couple weeks ago, we had Sister Dorit. And now we got Sister Rena just saying, love thy neighbor. And like giving us 10 commandments or something in the fucking corner with her bell after some vodka and some caviar pie. I'm like, Rena, what the fuck are you saying? Love thy neighbor. And then Erica says, have some compassion for where I'm at now. And Kyle's like, look, we support you. But this is the show you're on. This Literally, you're on this show to talk about your life. And unfortunately, your life's the most interesting thing going on on the show. Kyle did blame Sutton, though, and called her Two-Face. And then Sutton said, everyone needs to check their faces. Because they're all being a little Two-Face. I do agree. They all got a lot to say behind Erica's back. And then they get, I think also too, when you see someone crying and really upset, it is hard to confront them. So I do want to give the other women some grace in that way too, because I think, yeah, they have a lot to say behind her back. And that's because it's easier to talk to behind someone's back. That's just human nature. It's much easier for them to all talk shit about Erica when Erica's not around. And then when they see this fragile person, it is hard. Human nature kicks in and you feel bad. You feel bad. Uh, Sutton did bring up the car accident, though, and that's just not explainable. While all this was happening, too, Kathy's dog was just at the table. Uh, Sutton says, in terms of like the car accident thing, she says, look, if you find one lie, you'll find a bunch more. She says, if you find one cockroach, there's a bunch uh, scurrying around. She didn't say scurrying around. I think I added that. <laughs> um, anyway, Erica says, look, I'm not a liar. And she says, I'll go head to head with you all fucking day. You have a lot of fucking nerve. Shut the fuck up, she says to Sutton. And then it was a to be continued. And I don't, I don't know, uh, you know, I watched the, the episode and I didn't see in my version the scenes for next week. So I don't know what's coming next week, but I was on the edge of my seat. I had chills, goosebumps. It was everything to me. Again, I thought this episode was perfect and it lived up to the name Dinner Party from Hell Part 2. It was just flawless TV. Uh, again, I just have to say this one was for us. This one was for the girls. This one's for the girls. <laughs> we got to take a quick break here. I do want to mention right after I recorded this episode, I read the news that unfortunately Greg Leakes, husband of Nene Leakes from The Real House of Atlanta, unfortunately passed. And I just wanted to send my heart, my love, my condolences and prayers out to Nini, uh, the entire family and friends, uh, everyone who knew Greg. He seemed like such a gem of a person on The Real Houses of Atlanta, such a light. And so uh, it's truly uh, a huge loss. And so my heart goes out to them. Uh, I do want to also just recommend that everyone, if you have a history of colon cancer, make sure you talk to your doctor and get a colonoscopy if needed. Uh, and then also, if you're 45 and above, you should start getting your colonoscopies as well. It's very, very important. So, uh, with all of that said, my heart and prayers goes out to Nini and the entire family. We'll take a quick break here, and we'll come back with more uh, Everything Iconic. 
Ah, I love that sound, don't you? And that's the sound you're going to hear when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Uh, We use it here at Everything Iconic. Shopify is the best all-in-one commerce platform capable of handling all your business complexity, no matter how big you grow. I think it's fantastic. You're probably thinking, sure, but migrating is going to be a headache, but Shopify's app store has the migration apps you need to migrate all of your products, your orders, your customers, and more uh, from every major e-commerce platform all the way to Shopify. And I always hate when I'm shopping online and I have to re-enter all of my information. Well, Shopify store remembers your shipping address, your payment information. So if you're on the couch and your wallet's on the kitchen counter, you don't have to get up, which is nice. So sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash everything iconic, all lowercase. That's one month for just $1 at shopify.com slash everything iconic. Shopify, S-H-O-P-I-F-Y dot com slash everything iconic. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. And we all carry around different stressors, both big and small. Sometimes the small stressors are the worst for me because I cannot stop thinking about them when I'm trying to sleep or when I'm trying to go about my day. I keep those little things bottled up and it can start to affect me negatively. Now, therapy is a safe space to get those things off of my chest and figure out how to work through all that stuff. And if you've never benefited from therapy, I think it's time you explore. I think anyone can be helped by going to a professional therapist. It's so incredibly helpful to get those coping skills skills and uh, deal with those stressors. So uh, if you're thinking of starting therapy, you can give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be super convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you got to do is fill out this quick, brief questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge, which I think is so important. uh, So that way you find someone that you work well with. Now, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Everything Iconic today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Everything Iconic. Anyway, New York, it was the finale. I didn't love it. I thought the uh, beginning when they were talking about all that sex stuff, I thought was really interesting and fun. And Ramona said something about her, the boyfriend she had with the little, the little uh, penis and that he came really quickly. And we know that Ramona wants some hot cock. I need some hot cock. <laughs> and that man didn't give it to her. But I loved all the stories, all the women. Uh, Luann was telling that one story of like, and then I told him I touched myself. And, you know, she was given this very sexual account of this man who wasn't, wouldn't sleep with her. And I was, I was yelling through the TV. I was like, maybe that man is gay. Ladies, am I right? Like, I think that maybe that Luann man she was talking about was gay because she said he didn't want to fuck her. And then, yeah, she was saying how she tried to seduce him. And then I said, I'm going to touch myself. And <laughs> it was a very awkward story. And um, I think Ebony correctly pointed out that that man might be impotent. So it's one of the two, maybe gay, maybe impotent, maybe a mix of the both. I don't know. Unclear. Uh, Ramona then gave them all pasties and they all took their bubbies out and danced around in the pasties. Now it was fun. I was having a good time. The beginning of the episode was great. And then when we got to that party where it was like the identity swap, I thought that was really funny for like five minutes. You know, Ebony was hysterical as Luann, I thought. So funny. Bershawn, I thought was great. I thought Ramona and Leah were so hysterical and it was enough for five minutes. And then it just kept going on and on and on and on and on. 
And I just didn't think we need it. It was very weird to me. And most times on these finales, you know, I watch these every year. I've seen every single episode of Roni multiple times. And usually what happens in a finale, the first half is first half or first 45 minutes of the episode an hour-long episode, is uh, wrapping up these women's storylines, so their individual storylines. Well, unfortunately, on this season, Roni, we didn't have any many individual storylines, but it still felt weird to me that we didn't really get much of a wrap-up on Leah's story with, with the converting, and then the Ebony stuff, she found the dad, but then normally in a finale, that's what we would get. We would see all these individual scenes, just wrapping them all up. Uh, unfortunately, they didn't have that, so I think they had to stretch that last identity party for 45 fucking minutes. And then I think of finales past, you know, last season finale of that uh, that one drag queen event where Dorinda went nuts on the camera yelling at Tinsley. And then uh, that one finale where it was Luann's first cabaret performance, and that was the Giovanni yelling. And then there was that one finale party that was like Bethany's Christmas party, and they all danced with the sexy Santas. Usually that party is only about 15 minutes of the episode. I don't think... They really play out for as long as the finales do. And all of those finales had other things going on. Do you get what I mean? In this finale, it was really fun and the lighthearted and everything. But there wasn't much going on. And so the, the fact that they played it for so long felt like a strange production choice to me. But this season has been a strange production choice after strange production choice. And I know we like to give them grace because it was COVID in New York, but I wonder why did they start filming in COVID New York? Why didn't they just push back filming until things were better? Also, I can't really forgive the fact that they didn't even have a cast nailed down. So that was another big issue with this season. It was very confusing. Heather Thompson came in, she hey mama for a couple episodes, and then she hollered out and was never seen or heard from again, but she got a confessional and so, obviously, that leads us all to believe that she didn't have the contract signed and decided she didn't want to film anymore, right? So, I think she was supposed to be around the whole season, didn't sign the contract, and then realized this wasn't a good fit and decided she wanted to do it. So, that leads me to the next question of, like, why did production start filming when a cast wasn't nailed down? Because then we just get a cast member leaving, and then we're left with a very small cast. And that wouldn't have happened if she was under the contract. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, if Heather was contracted for the season, before the season started filming, she would have been around. And the same thing with Bershawn. Then they brought Bershawn in. And Ebony even said in an interview, she said, I didn't know Bershawn was part of the cast or not. That's why I didn't invite her to that one party. She said, it was unclear to me and no one ever gave me answers. Look up that interview with Ebony. It was very eye-opening to me. Because that also means that Brashawn didn't have a contract when she was filming, and no one knew. The cast didn't even know who was in the cast. And so that's another production choice that I'm thinking, like, what? Like, that's so such a weird thing. It's like, imagine filming Friends or something where, uh, I don't know, Lisa Kudrow's contract's not signed, and then she just stops showing up after a couple episodes. And obviously, it's hard to get back on track when something like that happens. Now, I also think there were supposed to be two more episodes, I do believe, of the season. And of course, we were all shocked last week when they said next week on the finale. So they obviously cut it down a couple episodes. And there were scenes from the trailers and stuff. There was an ice skating scene where Sonia's pretending to be on a walker. And then there was that scene... There was like a snowball fight scene in the daytime, so it wasn't the nighttime one. There was some stuff in those trailers, both the original and the mid-season, that never came to fruition. So I do believe, 
and I think we can all deduce that there were supposed to be two more episodes. Aside from also there supposing to be a reunion, which is what normally happens. And I think that the Bravo powers that be, very rightfully, I, I believe, in my opinion, I think it was smart to just wrap up the season. It hasn't been well-received, and I do think a lot of those production choices were very strange, and I think the audience can pick up on that. I don't believe that the conversations about race or anything like that were were the reason the season was bad. I, that's my opinion. Maybe you guys feel differently. I think it was these weird production things that the audience can feel and might not be able to put into words exactly like why this is not clicking Again, there were storylines that were sort of introduced that never went anywhere. Like Leah's uh, conversion didn't seem to really have much of an arc. I know we had that family scene, but then there were also these times where filming stopped for a whole month because of COVID, which I think screwed up production, which again, I know was out of their hands. So we're giving them grace with that. But to have a show, a reality show, stop filming for a month, we went from that one point that dinner party where Ramona was a complete and utter monster. And it felt like no one even addressed it afterwards. And I think, I don't know this to be fact, but I think that maybe they did address it in those two episodes. And then they were just like, let's just cut our losses. This season's a mess. And I do just have to say, I think that was the right decision because when these shows are bad, it makes us not like the whole franchise. And even though Beverly Hills is firing on all cylinders right now, Potomac on all cylinders, Salt Lake City, I got news for you. I saw the premiere and it's amazing. It's fucking amazing. So I think it's better to have these really good shows out there than uh, to also have this one franchise that's maybe kind of limping along. Some good moments, some really fun stuff happening. So I'm not saying it's the worst thing ever. There was a lot of entertaining stuff. However, I think that it, that's the smartest move. And it looks like there's not going to be a reunion that could change. Maybe there'll be a clubhouse reunion or something. I kind of think it's best. Let's regroup. Roni's only had one bad season. I think we regroup for next year, take our time, get the cast in place. I think they'll come back swinging and be better than ever. So I'm very confident in that. I don't think New York's going to get canceled. I think they'll take like an extra long hiatus. I bet they don't start filming until late next year. My guess, you know, let's take, they'll take a long break. And when they come back, I think they'll be great. So they've given us so much throughout the years. I'm not ready to write them off, but I do sort of think that it was good to just sort of end it. And I don't think we need much of a reunion, although we would like to see Ramona held accountable for a lot of that stuff. I understand all of that, but I just think that could be a half an hour. And then it's not like we're going to get three parts out of this season because there was just some strange things happening production-wise that I I must have been very challenging for the the crew, too. I, I understand, and I, I, my heart goes out to them because I think they did the best they could. But um, next week, we get one of those shit-they-should-have-shown episodes. And I normally like those, but I'm not sure I need... <laughs> I'm not sure I need more footage from this season at this point. You know, I like those when I love the season, but maybe not now. Anyway, you guys, that's the season of The Real Houses of New York. It, it went out, but I'm confident our ladies will come back better than ever. And I just want them to add a couple people to the cast. I think, you know, and uh, yeah, that's my opinion. We'll see. Anyway, this was a long, extra long episode, you guys. We had so much to talk about. Please find me on social media at Danny Pellegrino on Twitter and Instagram. I want you guys to all stick around, listen to my chat with Kay Cannon. She's a Housewives super fan, too. So we get into some of the Beverly Hills. We talk a little bit about Lana, Married to Medicine, uh, as well as this movie Cinderella, which premieres on Amazon Prime April or September 3rd, which is this upcoming week, September 3rd, Amazon Prime. 
Uh, it will be out this week, actually. So I hope you guys enjoy. Kay is wonderful, hilarious in this movie. Cinderella, I know there have been clips going around online and stuff like that, but I thought it was really charming. And I think if you have kids, young kids, it's it's different. It's a different version of Cinderella. My uh, version of Cinderella is, of course, the Brandy and Whitney Houston one. You know, that movie means everything to me. I remember watching it premiere in 1997 on The Wonderful World of Disney and it was just, it meant the world to me, that version. And so that has such a special place in my heart. But I think every generation kind of has their their version of it. I The Hilary Duff version is good, Cinderella Story. And then there's the Drew Barrymore version ever after, which is fantastic. And so, you know, hopefully a, a new generation of young people will watch this one and enjoy it. And uh, anyway, I hope you guys enjoy my chat with Kay Cannon. Uh, the writer and director of Cinderella. I love you all. I will leave you guys with this chat. Go to everythingiconic.store for all of the merch. Uh, And I have some exciting announcements coming up after Labor Day, which I can't wait to share with you all. But for now, uh, I'm bidding you adieu. Please enjoy my chat with Kate Cannon. Bye-bye. Kate Cannon, how are you doing today? Hello. Nice to meet you. To meet you too. I'm such a fan of yours. You're so funny. Oh, thank you so much, Kay, and and vice versa. I'm so excited to talk to you. I've been a fan of your writing, of your directing. My boyfriend and I had just rewatched Blockers, and I think it's like one of the best comedies of the past 10, 20 years. It's so good, and if anyone hasn't seen it, they need to immediately go watch it. That is so nice of you to say. I happened to I catch it like I'm just like a couple months ago now. And it was on E movies we oh, love. Oh, yeah, yeah, and and I was it was so funny to me because there's so much cussing in the movie that like how they changed it to make it all work for you know regular mainstream broadcast or whatever. It was so funny. When I watch Sex in the City on E, it's like they they really have to remove like full storylines. Like there's they no do. Samantha character on E. There's nothing. <laughs> there's no. There's no talk of any of the things she was really going through. Uh, are you excited about Cinderella coming out? Are you nervous? How are you feeling? It's so close. I am all the feelings, all the vibes, because it's, I'm, I really love the movie. I'm proud of the movie. I can't wait for people to see it. I feel like it's joyful. And at the same time, you hope what you did translates, (laughs) you know, like you hope that people feel how you hope they'll feel, you know? Okay. Look, I'll be honest with you. Yeah. I was putting it on and I was kind of skeptical. I thought, I don't, we don't need another Cinderella. I was like, I grew up with the Brandy and Whitney Houston version that holds a special place in my heart. So I put it on really in that mindset. And then I, within like a couple minutes, I was so charmed by it. And I thought it was just such a lovely, fun movie that weirdly is perfect for what we all need right now, which is just some, some laughs and some joy and music. Good. Oh, I'm so happy to hear that. And I, you know, I had the same reservations in making it that you had in watching it. (laughs) You know, I was like, I, there's been so many Cinderella's. I too, the Brandy Whitney Houston is my favorite Cinderella of all time. I also really love Ever After, which is like, uh, Drew, Drew Barrymore. uh, And so I have a lot of respect for them. And, you know, I just wanted to try my hand at it and try something, you know, different, not necessarily better, but just different. And hopefully, I'm glad to, to hear that you're saying that like, it sort of speaks to what's happening now. We're going to get back to Cinderella, but I do have to talk to you about Housewives. I know you're a big Housewives fan, as yeah. am I. Uh, Beverly Hills, you're watching it right now, right? Yeah. What, it, do you think Bamboozle Jane is guilty? Is, does she, did she know any of this stuff that the husband was doing? Like, where do you stand? I mean, 
just before answering that question, can we just talk about like how all of the Housewives franchises just in a time of the pandemic and Black Lives Matter, it's just like, it's what all these <laughs> Housewives shows needed and to see how each franchise handles these different problems. And like, it's been, it's been a really interesting thing to watch in the last year. And for Beverly Hills, it's like, I don't know how you feel about this, but I just Beverly Hills is just like their wealth is just feels so much higher and more than the other franchises. Like when they go shopping, it's like they go shopping, you know, <laughs> they buy things that are really expensive on camera. So with the like, I've, I've been shocked watching it for a, a whole bunch of reasons. But but like when Kathy Hilton was like, I bought this thing, I didn't know I owned it, you know, like that to have that amount of wealth and for Erica to be like, I have a house I've never been to. I don't even know where it is. Like, you know, that's a kind of wealth that like, I don't understand. Yeah. And um, yeah. that's pretty eye opening. I watched the documentary or that show about the Tom and Erica. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever that was. on Hulu with yeah. Danielle's job. We all watched it. Yeah, it was very damning. And. I don't know, but Danny, I feel like, I feel like, I, I feel that ignorance is not an excuse, I think. Yeah, Sutton said that. You know, yeah. you mentioned the wealth thing, too, and this week on the show, we saw Kathy Hilton with, like, food on TV trays, and I found it so hilarious because Kathy is so wealthy, and I was thinking, like, if... Sonia on The Real Houses of New York pulled out a TV tray. It wouldn't, we would just sort of expect it. It wouldn't be funny or ironic or anything. But there was something about Kathy with the TV tray because she is so wealthy, knowing that she just likes to serve food that way was endearing <laughs> yeah. and wonderful. I mean, Kathy really shows herself, honestly, and also like is one of those people that, that it, I mean, she's a, she's a real human being. I mean, she reminds you of like, because she is a, a human person who has feelings and empathy and emotions. Like, I, I don't know. I think this is true, but she had to leave the table because she didn't understand the extent of the crime, alleged crimes. Uh, right. And so when she heard that it was like money taken away from orphans and burn victims, she had to leave the table to cry. Wait, I didn't hear this. Is this true? I, I didn't hear this. How did I not hear that? I don't, I, maybe I don't, I, I don't know where I heard it, but, I believe it. <laughs> yeah, <we're>, yeah. <laughs> That's the um, mantra because, of Housewives fans, right? We don't yeah. know where we heard it, but we believe it. But like, you know, when Kyle was like talking to Kathy about um, feeling like a bad mom and Kyle's being so open and vulnerable and then Kathy gets up and goes, oh, you're so good and like holds her, you know, it's like, it's like, yes, Kathy is from all this wealth, crazy amount of wealth, lived in a hotel, has been served her whole life. But she also, I, I think she also like grew up the oldest of these three daughters where it was a struggle too, right? Like the, yeah. her, her mother had, had to really struggle. So she's like this nice combination of, of realness and then also what we enjoy watching with really wealthy people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm kind of happier with, with her just on the sidelines. I don't think I need her in a more official capacity. Like I like the amount that we're getting and I feel like too much of a good thing might be bad for us. I agree. I think she's like, you know, she's like Norm from Cheers. Like, you just want, like, you, you're always going to want her to walk in and forever be like, Kathy, we're so happy to Kathy. Right, right. <laughs> uh, okay, when you were working on 30 Rock, there were always these housewives things. And I wonder who 
who's was the brainchild of like the Housewives parody where we saw Sherry Shepard, which by the way, it was rumored this week. It's not true, I don't think, but there was a rumor this week about Sherry Shepard joining New York Housewives. Yeah, and yeah. Of course, all I could think about was her yelling ham on 30 Rock in that Housewives parody. But whose brainchild was that? Were there a bunch of people on staff who watched Housewives? Yeah, I mean, it was so long ago, but I was definitely like someone who never missed an episode of any of it. And then um, Tina was really aware of of them uh, in, in a more than aware, but like, you know, like like was assessing what was happening there. And then Tracy Wigfield, I remember being a huge fan. And of course, she wrote the episode where we did the um, the uh, Housewives uh, with Sherry Shepard. And so, yeah, there was a lot of talking about them. I love that. I love that. And there was also a Denise Richards moment before she was a housewife. She's singing a song like Countess Luann. Like, it's all... It's so... Yeah. And she came in. She was so good. I remember her thinking, like, oh, she's so good at this. Like, she was in the pocket for, like, acting like a housewife and singing the song. And, like, I thought it was the funniest I'd ever seen her. Not that, at the time, Denise had been offered a bunch of comedy roles. But, like, she was really committed and knew what to do. And then, of course, all these years later, like, you see her actually be a housewife. Wild. And she, she had made a, weird, a splash. She yeah. had a splash. And I miss Denise or Denise Richards. You know, speaking of comedy, I loved her in Drop Dead Gorgeous. Like, that's one of my favorite movies yeah. of all time. And I always wanted Denise to lean into more comedy because she's funny. She's so funny. And I, um, she was really sweet. I, I almost did a, um, I had written this, like, short about this, like, gynecologist to the stars. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, I actually ended up filming it. This is a long time ago with Casey Wilson as the person I was, I was the doctor and Casey Wilson was like the patient who came in. Um, but I had originally gone to Denise and like met with her to do, you know, t- to talk about this. And it was like it, a, kind of a hybrid of like Denise would be playing Denise and uh, I would get as her doctor, I'd get to ask her all these questions and do bits and jokes about what was happening in her real life and stuff like that. And, and so we were, we were going to do that together. And then I think she smartly pulled out of doing it <laughs> Wait, can we see this i love casey too she's brilliant i mean How it's do we a, see this? yeah uh, i mean you i never put it out anywhere because um it was one of those things where i made it and then i think got hired to 30 rock and then it just didn't go anywhere okay back to housewives uh so you you do believe erica jane knew all of this stuff i don't know i don't think she knew all of it and nobody knows exactly what's going on in anyone's marriage ever I, you know, I know that from firsthand experience that I'm divorced, like nobody, nobody knows. And, and you can put up a front for a long time to even to your closest friends that saying everything's okay when things aren't where I get, I'm, I'm watching it in real time, the way that the housewives are learning all about it in real time. But like, I, what I find a, a red flag is her reaction to Sutton in next week's episode, like the clip that we watch where she's just like hardcore going after Sutton. Like, what did you think when, when um, Erica said, I just want to know where it, where the money went. That's to me where I was like, no, 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 no. You need to be like, it should be like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe. I hope Tom didn't do these things because it's so awful. What he, if he did. And, and, that, and that she I spent mean, the money. Yeah. Like we yeah. saw the money being spent. Like there's yeah. literally footage of you spending the money and Cut dragging. To the closet. Cut to the closet. <laughs> I don't even know how many times on this show they've, they've put a ring that she bought and said like $70,000 or, oh. or her, uh, the Mikey Minden budget to learn to pat the puss. And like, it was $30,000 for that or a month. And 
I feel like Erica, like we've seen where the money goes. Yeah. You've shown us. Danny, I want to tell you something. Like I've never used a uh, ring light. Uh, this is the first time I've used a ring light and I'm just trying it out. Uh, How do you like to, that? On a Zoom. Uh, is it working for me? I you don't know. You look great. You look oh, beautiful. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Um, because I, the, Amazon sent it to me for doing press this weekend for the movie. So, so I was like, I'm going to try it out with Danny. I don't know how I... You look beautiful. I got like seven lights on me. And sometimes <laughs> I get distracted when I'm doing these Zooms because I'm like, man, it looks like I'm extra shiny right there. <laughs> like, I don't know. Just like pull like a little blotter. And then I'm like, oh, I forgot to remove my beanie babies from behind <laughs> the frame. I should have done that. What do you think is sort of like the high point of Housewives? Like, is there a season, uh, uh, an event, a fight? Like, where do you land? Uh, for me, it's, it was Atlanta and it was this last season. And I thought the arc of Portia has been incredible from her season one to um, to to now her getting arrested and her like her just growth and her commitment to the cause. I thought I thought that season in particular was like Peabody award worthy and um, and getting different perspectives on that. I thought that was really great because uh, I mean, not great and what the injustices that are happening, but that um, it felt like she she just like she was very impressive and she was pretty amazing. And then with that, it's not the housewives, but I, I've. I was watching Married to Medicine at the same time watching Ugh. the Atlanta season. And it was just like that combination of just the fight and them being doctors in a time of COVID. I mean, it just was like unbelievable television. Yeah. You know, I don't often talk about Married to Medicine on this show. I've had some of the women on as guests, but uh, I don't recap it. But this, you're right, this past season of Married to Medicine, there was a part at the reunion where uh, one of the ER doctors, the husband, um, yeah. Eugene, Dr. Eugene, he was talking about his mask falling off and having to hold someone down in the ER and like the emotional toll of that. And it was some of the best television. And then on top of that, with Married to Medicine, you also get these great, like, uh, super quick witted confessionals. And it's yeah. just like the perfect mix. I-, I-, I thought last season and and really, I believe Married to Medicine is the most consistent show on Bravo. Like they've never had a bad season. I agree. Yeah. 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 And it, it feels it feels it, because it is just very real and very of the moment. Like I was really taken with, with that story at the reunion and, and just um, his wife, Toya, Toya. Right? Toya was like, it just was different for us. My husband was an ER doctor. And I, I found it interesting that all the other doctors were like, no, we all kind of went through the same thing. And he's like, no, we really didn't. <laughs> right, right, right. You know, yeah, there's layers to this. <laughs> yeah. One of you is a dentist, which I love. We love heavenly, but yeah. yeah love different. Her. <laughs> love okay. Kay, back to Cinderella. How did you get involved? I got an email from my agent saying that James Corden wanted to talk to me about a, something to do with Cinderella. And I am not a fairy tale princess kind of person a gal i'm more of an et slash annie <laughs> type of uh, uh lady and so i was a big fan of james so i took the meeting thinking nothing was going to come out of it but i just wanted to like meet him and you know exchange ideas and whatever and so he pitched that he had this idea to do cinderella with using contemporary songs and then i could like rewrite the story right or, or uh, from my point of view or, or modernize it in a way and i love that having done pitch perfect like i love taking obviously taking covers of songs and and hearing them in a new way putting music in front of people that 
are younger who might not know that song, you know, and then, and then that song becomes really popular. So that notion of like using contemporary songs, it was like, Oh, that, that instantly modernizes the story. Right. And, and for me, I just wanted to like give Cinderella, I like jumped at the chance to give Cinderella like a, to make her active and, and have her have a dream and be able not to only have that dream, but to actively go after that dream. And then, and then it got bigger from Cinderella where it was like, you know, all of them are, every character is kind of, is going through that same thing. It's like the whole town is not able to, it's so traditional that they're, everybody's kind of put into a box and it was sort of just a, my way to try to shake it up and, and just do it through jokes and songs. <laughs> and it was so great to get to see Billy Porter sing. You know, one of my favorite songs is a song he did off the first Wives Club soundtrack called Love Is On The Way. And it, it's like, it plays during this really emotional moment in that movie. And Celine Dion like later covered it, but he's so wonderful in everything he does. It was exciting to see him pop up in this. Yeah, he's so special. There was no one else that could have played that part for him. I mean, I wrote wrote it for him. And then I actually had, um, because I didn't know if Billy would say yes, but I had, so I I had a rhythmics um, sweet dreams in there because I was like, oh, if I don't get a really strong singer, that's like a song that, you know, like that part will just be really super funny. And then we'll have a, a little bit of a song that most people can do. And then when he can, you know, signed on, and I knew for sure he was going to play it. Then it, we changed it to Sweet Dreams. And he's, or sorry, to um, Shining Star. And he's just so good. And when he came in for, uh, when we were doing pre-records and he came in to record the song, you know, he hits this like big end note, this big last note. And he was like, I don't know, it's in the morning. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this. And he goes into the booth and he just nails it on the first take. Whereas one of those things are like, I'm eating like an omelet. And it's like, <laughs> you know, and it was just like that's it we got it oh. um oh, he's so just talented. so talented and i'm i'm so happy for him and you know he i i got to watch him watch the sequence you know because it's he's in this isolated i think he's only on screen for like 12 minutes or something maybe maybe less so i got to watch him watch it when we were doing adr and there were like tears shed and you know he after he watched it he was like we're gonna change the world Nobody has seen that role played in the way that he plays it. Right. Was there any music that you wanted for the movie that you didn't get or wasn't? Yeah. There was, I mean, there's, there's always something, right. But, but there's one song that I wanted so badly and, and she's so wonderful and I can totally, I know why she said no to it, but I really wanted after the ball for the um, stepsisters to sing Lord's Royals. Mm-hmm. Uh, to have them like at breakfast the next morning and be like, and we'll never be, royal. you know, like, like that they didn't make it and they were going to sing that acapella. And then uh, the stepmother was going to be like, shut up. <laughs> you know? And kind of like cut them off. But I think that song had been used a lot and like Lord was so nice about it, but she was just like, I, I think it's been starting to be overused. So I didn't get it. Right. But I, when I watched the final, when I was done with the movie, the one thing I said to my friend, Irene Marquette, who uh, was associate producer on the movie, I was like, oh man, I really wish we could have had that song. Camilla plays Ella in the movie, Cinderella Ella. And I'm endlessly fascinated by the relationship with Sean Mendes. Was he popping up on set? Like, did you want, did you get a first hand experience? What's that like? 
Yes, I uh, he, he did come to set a couple of times. I mean, we pre-COVID because we were I shot about four weeks of the movie. Uh, and then we shut down and then five months later, almost to the day we I shot the last seven weeks of the movie. Uh, but you know, what was really great is we did, we did some pre-records at, at Abbey road, uh, studios in, uh, London and Sean came to pick up Camila from that pre-record and like both like Sean, like lost his mind. He loved it. <laughs> like to be at Abbey road studios or whatever. And so that was like really fun to see. And I think they're so ridiculously cute together. And I uh, like, I just like looking at both of them. I think they're just really there for each other. And I mean, it's been a couple of years that they've been together now. It's not like, and they're so young and yeah. I mean, there's, yeah. so, there's so much scrutiny on, on, on them individually and then as a couple, but I love them and I think they're beautiful and deeply in love with each other. Okay. What's next? Is there going to be a pitch perfect four? I know there's always rumors about that. Are you going to, are you writing? Did you write one? Is this like a secret thing? Are you no. going to do one? No, I mean, if, if they do a pitch perfect four, uh, I, I won't be a part of You're it. You're done. You're done. Yeah. I love decorating the house and getting furniture, but sometimes it could be overwhelming to design a space. And so luckily I'm here to tell you about a company called cozy. Now cozy is fantastic. A North American company that thoughtfully designs furniture made for modern living. Now, Cozy strives to provide the best furniture shopping experience with elegant, super high quality products, plus fast delivery and easy assembly, which is really important to me because I do not like putting together furniture. So the easier, the better for me. Now, Cozy offers a beautiful, customizable sofas and sectionals that are made to adapt in time. This means customers can add seats to the sofas over time. Maybe if you're extending your family, you might want more space on the couch. Cozy also offers a great range of coffee tables, washable rugs, wall shelving, credenzas, TV stands, and accessories. So much. It's thoughtfully designed furniture made for modern living. There's an outdoor sofa and tables collection that is fantastic. It's called the Mistral. So you can choose the perfect sofa configuration for your outdoor setup. Uh, Cozy also opened its first retail space on Queen Street in Toronto to push the experience to the next level and allow customers to engage physically with the products. So transform your living space today with Cozy. Visit Cozy.com, spelled C-O-Z-E-Y, to start customizing your furniture today. Again, that's Cozy, C-O-Z-E-Y.com. So what's next for you? What I have found in the things I do is that people are often skeptical. Like Blockers was the same way. Blockers, like they were like, oh, it's just a raunchy rated R comedy. And and then everything, like all the um, commercials and trailers and stuff like would would also support that notion. And then they watch the movie and then they get surprised at like how much heart's in it or it's actually quite sweet or, it, you know, has something to say. And um, so as I look to do like whatever's next, like I have like a, a handful of things I'm working on but it's, it's to, I don't know, to challenge myself to like, um, there's so much content out there that you, you really have to have something to say and still be entertaining, whether that's on the comedy side. I, I, there's a couple of things I really like on the drama side. Um, so that might be something new that I, that I try to do. <laughs> okay, I know I got to let you go. I ask everyone uh, these, two, these next two questions, your favorite Mariah Carey song, and then who would you choose for Sexiest Man Alive if you were choosing for people magazine uh, my favorite mariah carey song is um you'll always be my baby, baby. So good. and i would sing that to my daughter when she was a baby and and still kind of and still sing it to her today not in a romantic kind of way yeah, yeah. Uh, 
Mariah does that song on stage to her kids now. She like sings that uh-huh. to her kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, great. Uh, and then uh, who would I pick for a sexiest man alive? Dude from Bridgerton. Oh, yeah, yeah. Bridgerton. Yeah. When I was watching Blockers, though, I find John Cena so sexy. Like, you do. I, yeah, I do. I, I mean, obviously, he's got the muscles and everything, but I like his personality is sexy to me. He's got like sort of a quirky sense of humor or something. I don't know. Yeah, he's the best, man. He's great. Okay, what a delight to get to talk to you. Thank you so much for taking the time. This was truly a pleasure. I want to encourage everyone to check out Blockers immediately when we're done mm-hmm. here. And then go watch uh, Cinderella on Amazon September 3rd. Uh, it's, I think, sit down with the family and everyone's going to really enjoy it. Okay, thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you. 